I believe God gave me a word for you this morning. I was really seeking God on what to talk about. I didn't, I guess I started seeking God on what to talk about at about two o'clock yesterday afternoon, and I had an idea, and then at about midnight, God woke me up and shared this verse with me, and I woke up every 30 minutes with this verse on my mind, and so I couldn't ignore that. So my goal is just to encourage you in the faith this morning. Verse number five, we'll start in verse number five, Hebrews 11. By faith, somebody say by faith. Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, listen to this, he had this testimony that he pleased God. That he pleased God. But without faith, somebody say by faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him by faith I know God is dear heavenly father we feel you this morning we've petitioned you quite a bit already but God we're asking that the anointing we feel in this room would go to work on somebody's heart on somebody's spirit on somebody's mind in somebody's life God God I pray that I can communicate your word to your people in a way that would lift their heads lift their hearts lift their spirits and have abundant faith and abundant confidence that you are God and God alone and no devil in hell can mess up the plans that you have for us So we give you glory today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Just to make me feel a little more comfortable, will you give God one more praise? Hallelujah. And then you may be seated. Then you may be seated. By faith, I know God is. Is. He is. The subject of our text is Brother Enoch. Brother Enoch. Not much said in the Bible about Enoch. You can find his story in Genesis chapter 5, 21 through 24, just three verses of Scripture sum up the story that we're given with regards to Enoch. I'll read it for you. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. For context, Methuselah is the oldest man ever recorded. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God 
and he was no more because God took him away. 365 years and the sum total of his life was that he walked faithfully with God. His name means dedicated, dedicated, or to train, to train. It was as if his life was a training system for God's people on how to walk faithfully with him. The interesting paradox of that is that we don't know much about him. We don't know much about him. Like I said, he's only mentioned twice, Genesis chapter 5 and in our text, Hebrews chapter 11. But the significance of his life is that he walked with God. And it says that he pleased God. And because of it, he never saw death. And only one other man that we know of has had that experience. That is Elijah when he's taken up in the chariot of fire. But Enoch was taken unto the Lord. But the key is that he walked with God. He walked with God. He walked with God. And the testimony of his life was that he pleased God. Or God was proud of him. For context regarding that, I encourage you to go back and listen to Pastor Rick's message on Father's Day last week. The pride of a father. God was proud of him. I got a question for you. Is God proud of you? I'm going to let that sink in. Is God proud of you? Is God proud of you? He walked with God. The interesting thing about our walk of faith or walking with God is that along the way, we have to come to a place where we get to know him a little bit. We got to get to a place where we understand his ways to some extent. We have to know how he does things, why he does things, when he does things. We have to learn his cues when we're walking with God. Because I, I recently, Bishop and, and, and some of us have gotten into horses again, and a big deal is the cues that the horses take from, from the rider. And when you're leading that horse, that horse needs to be ready for your cue. So if you stop, that horse needs to stop. If you go, the horse needs to go. You don't need to be pulling on him and to catch up or pulling on him to back up. He needs to just stay right with you. And that's similar to our walk with God. We have to learn how to walk with him. And it gets challenging at times. And, 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 and it's hard sometimes to coordinate with how God works. How God works. Because there's such a difference. There's such a distance between God and us. And his ways and our ways. Even Isaiah 55 tells us that his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts and so we have to in our walk get accustomed or coordinate ourselves with him and and the way he goes and it's difficult sometimes to find an equilibrium in life when there's so many things happening and we're trying to reconcile where God is leading us and what's going on around us. In other words, life is happening and you don't know what is going on and you don't understand why it's going on, but you do know God is up to something. 
and getting your brain and your spirit and your emotions in line with what he is doing is pretty difficult at times. And if we're not careful and we're not walking by faith, uh, we can spend a lot of time in confusion and in wandering and in a state of wondering. You know, most things in life that happen don't make sense when they're happening. They make sense later on. I'm not uh, an old dude at all. I'm only 42 years old. Um, But I'm old enough to know that when I look back, there were a lot of things in my life that didn't make any kind of sense whatsoever. And I even blame the devil at times for setting up these traps that I fell into Um, along the way but when I look back now I realize it wasn't no devil whatsoever it was God placing a detour right in front of me so that I would get to where he wanted me to be because if he just left me alone I would have never got to where I needed to be so now it makes a little more sense to me than it did then but then then it didn't make no sense at all and I played the blame game the devil did it the devil made me do it even if I look back at, at that idea, I can look back. Uh, I'm, again, I'm not old, but I'm old enough to remember a rotary phone and a push-button phone. Uh, I'm old enough to remember the first time uh, AOL opened a chat room. And so when I was a teenager or when I was real young, and, and I couldn't fathom the idea of being able to connect to anybody in the world at any given time that didn't even fit in my brain, but to my children, it doesn't make sense not to be able to do that. And so, you know, in our past or along the way when we're going through things, sometimes it doesn't make sense. And not only does it not make sense, we're not able to see what God is bringing into our future or bringing us into, and it doesn't make sense at the time. But when we get there, it does. When we get there, it does. We get in these places where we're saying, what's happening? Why is this happening? God, I'm a tither. Why is hell breaking loose in my life? Why is everything falling apart? Why are my kids acting crazy? Why is the bank account in the negative when I know I did all that I was supposed to do? I'm a tither. I go to church faithfully. I don't miss church. I'm in church most Sundays, maybe two or three a month. I'm there, God. I'm committed to your house. I receive what the preacher preaches, and somehow I'm still going through something. Side note, I said this this morning in the leadership class. Stop treating church as a narcotic. Don't come in here to get your fix and then go out and wait for the next opportunity to get your fix. This is not a narcotic. This is the house of God. This is where we come to receive the words of eternal life for our purpose and our soul. Treat it as such. But we're faithful and things aren't making any sense. And in our wondering, we end up wandering. And in our wandering, we are no longer walking the path that God laid out for us. Enoch walked with God, and his testimony was that he pleased God. There's no detail concerning how he walked. There's no detail concerning who he walked with. We know that Methuselah was his son, and we know that he had other sons and daughters. That's what the Bible tells us. But we have no clue who he really walked with or how he walked. We just know he walked 
with God. And, and we don't know what he accomplished. We don't know what he did. We don't know how he pleased God. We just know that he, he walked with God. He walked with God. It was in his walking, I believe, that pleased God. It was that he walked with God that he pleased God. It's almost as if God is throwing out this nugget to us to let us know, I'm not, I don't really care about all your achievements and all your righteousness and all your do's and don'ts and what you can fulfill and not fulfill. I just want to know, are you going to walk with me or are you going to walk in front of me and just kind of use me as your mascot? Are you going to walk with me or am I just one of your guys alongside of you? Are you going to walk with me? He walked with God. He didn't walk as God. He didn't walk in front of God. He didn't walk behind God. He walked with him. He walked with God. If God wasn't walking, he wasn't walking. He walked with God. He walked with God. And it's interesting because he's Noah's grandfather. He's Noah's grandfather. And because he's Noah's grandfather, we know this. That he was living in a time of moral decay. He was living in a time where people were doing what was right in their own eyes. He was living in a time where if you read Genesis chapter 6, the next chapter, you'll see that God actually calls the people wicked and evil. And they did whatever they wanted. Their inclinations, even their inclinations were evil and it distressed God. We knew he lived in a time of moral decay. And yet he walked with God. Does that sound familiar to you? He walked with God. Spurgeon said this, and I like it. Too many hold their possessions with a weak hand. They have expectation where they should have enjoyment. They are thinking where they should know with certainty. I'm going to say that again. They hold their possessions with a weekend. They have expectation where they should already be enjoying. In other words, there's a lot of people waiting on stuff that really you should have walked into already. And there's a lot of people thinking, speculating, wondering, reasoning, trying to find the logic for why when really they should already be certain in knowing what God is doing, what God is doing. Confidence Confidence is a good outcome, in a good outcome, or a positive result in our lives is one that I believe is lacking in the body of Christ right now. Confidence in a good outcome or positive results in our life, that confidence is something that is lacking in the body of Christ right now. Why, why do you say that? Or not the body of Christ, but the people of God. It's one and the same. But it's a little more personal when I say the people of God. Why do you say that, Pastor Josh? Because I hear a lot of complaining about the way things are and not a lot of excitement about the opportunities that the time presents. I hear more complaints about what we see to and fro than the opportunity for God to do a thing. If things are going crazy, then it means that God is setting himself up to do something so miraculous, so outstanding, that it's going to blow people's mind. I believe Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The harvest is in front of us. And I hear a lot of complaints. And not a lot of laborers saying, man, I can't wait to get out in that field. 
It may be too early to cut that corn stalk down or to put, pick that ear of corn, but it's growing. I can see it budding. I can see the seeds and harvest is almost there. I wish there was a little more excitement in the tone of God's people when they're talking about the day and age we live in because all I see is opportunity. I don't see this dread and, and, and doom and all that. I just see an opportunity for God to show how strong he really is. Confidence is the result of faith. Confidence comes from a person who knows they are convinced. They might be confident in their gift, their talent, who they are, what they're about to say, what's about to happen. Michael Jordan exuded confidence. He didn't care if he missed a shot or not. It was just radiated off of him. It radiated off of him. Jesus, I can only imagine the way he walked into a room, the way things changed. Every time you read about Jesus stepping into a place, it got everybody's attention because he walked with God. And because he walked with God, there was a confidence that was set upon him. It was set upon him. It was set upon him. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And confidence is a result of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the question is, do you believe what God is saying? Do you believe what God is saying? The word of God is what God said. Word of God. The Bible is what God said. The voice of God is what he is saying. Do you have confidence in what he says? Because your faith doesn't grow unless you can hear that word. Because that's how faith comes. It's delivered through the word. Let me ask you a question. If a liar tells you the truth, will you believe him? Hard to believe a liar, ain't it? They could be telling you the God's honest truth. But when he speaks or she speaks, it's hard to, you don't have much confidence in what they said because they're a liar. That's who they are. That's in their nature to lie. One thing, when I was little, I was scared of the dark. Not only that, I couldn't go to sleep unless my dad prayed for me. If my dad, I loved it when my mom prayed for me too, but. There was just something about hearing my dad pray for me when I was a little boy. And when he would pray and say these words, Lord, I ask that you set a hedge about my son. Let your angels encamp in this room and let him have good sleep. I, shoot, I didn't care how dark it got. I was ready to go to sleep because I trusted what he said. I trusted what he said. If a liar tells you something, you don't believe him. Because he's a liar. Because he's a liar. The dilemma, what I, the dilemma in what I see with God's people is they have a faulty or, weak, or they're weak in their faith because of their perception of who God is. Of who God really is. It's warped. It's warped. Pastor said it last week. We tend to 
derive or contrive, whatever you want to say, our image of God by our father or our father figure. And for those, especially in this generation, I think it's some crazy high statistic, 65 or 75 percent of young people in today's age either have an absent father or they never knew their father. That's insane. That's the majority of people. And so we have a culture that doesn't have a clear picture of who God is because they relate God to who their father is. That's a fact. That's not, that's not speculation. That's a psychological fact. By faith, somebody say by faith, we know God is. By faith, we know God is. God is more than an idea. God is more than a fantasy. God is more than your absentee father. God is more than what religion painted him to be. You see, a lot of people believe God is a certain way because of the way they were told over the course of years. We've lived in religious circles where these ideas have been embedded into religious thought for centuries. And so now because it's old, we believe it. Or because it's been said so many times, we believe it. And when we come face to face with the reality of who God really is, it's hard for us to accept it because our perspective of him is warped. So we're mad because we think God is mad. And we're mean because we think God is mad. And God is mean. And so we condemn and, and look down on and, and condescend because that's how we feel God is. That he sits on the throne and condescends to his people. But my Bible says that Enoch walked with God. God wasn't looking down on him. God was walking with him. Are you with me right now? So let's dive into this. For we know by faith God is. Somebody say God is. What do we know about God? Let's, find, let's, let's, let's explore this a little bit. This isn't real deep this morning. We're not going to get deep. I'm just trying to encourage your spirit. What do we know about who God is? Well, for, first of all, we know God is good. Can anybody agree with that? God is good. In Genesis, when he created everything, when he was done creating, what did he say? It is good. It is good. So when God does a thing, he does a thing to create it in a good fashion. He expects goodness to come out of it. And when he created creation, then he took man and placed him in the good. And then what did he do? He walked with man in the cool of the day. And then you know what he realized? It is not good for man to be alone. Because he can walk with me, but who's going to walk with him. If I made him in, in my image and in my likeness, then I got to be good because that's who I am. I'm good. And if it's good to me that there's somebody that can walk with me, then I need to make sure that there's somebody that can walk with him. So he makes the woman. And he says it is very good. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. He that finds a wife finds a good thing. Shango, hey, sir. 
God is. God is good. God is good all the time and God is good. We even have a cliche about it. A little call and response. God is good. What else is God? God is merciful. God is merciful. God is merciful. God is merciful. Deuteronomy 4.31, for the Lord your God is merciful. Deuteronomy, he is laying out the law, and in the midst of the law, he still declares he is merciful. So much so that he provides a mercy seat. A mercy seat where we can come to and find forgiveness. David said goodness in the most famous psalm of all. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will not leave me. And and as you move your way toward the end, you'll see David say goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. All the days because God is good and God is merciful what else is God God is true to his word God is true to his word Isaiah 55 11, so shall my word go f- forth out of my mouth and it shall not return to me void or empty it shall accomplish the purpose for which I send it and it shall succeed in the thing I like that in the thing God's word is so good that it produces in the thing God is true to his word. What else we know about God? God is spirit. God is spirit. Jesus said in John 4, 24, that God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. He exists outside of our natural reality. So whatever happens in our reality is outside of his, uh, it doesn't affect God. What happens in our environments doesn't touch God. What happens in our environments, he has full control of. So even when you feel alone, he can be there because he is spirit. Even when you have sinned, he can be there because he is spirit. Even when you feel lost, he's right there with you because he is spirit. He is spirit and he is not flesh. The shortcomings of our friends and our family don't even apply to him because he is spirit. They don't exist in him because he is spirit, flesh is not part of who he is because he is spirit he is spirit we know God is good we know God is merciful we know God is true to his word we know God is spirit and we know God is love God is love first John 4 and verse 7 dear friends let us love one another why because love comes from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows him whoever does not love does not know God Because God is love. God is love. For God so loved the world that he gave. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Nay, none of these things shall separate us from the love of God. Why? Because God is good. And because he is merciful and because he's true to his word and he is spirit and he is love, nothing 
can take away his love for us. So no matter how bad you are, just know God still loves you. No matter how bad you've been to him, you may have even cursed his name because you don't like the mess you had to go through and you cursed him because of it. Don't you know he still loves you anyway? The fact that you're in this building or you're watching online is proof that God loves you because he appointed it that you should be here to hear it. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. It doesn't matter what you've lost. God still loves you. There's nothing you can do that can cancel the love of God in your life. There may be cancel culture that can cancel just about anything that you can possibly imagine. Soon we're not going to be allowed to blink because blinking is canceled. And if you blink, you might get offended. But you know what? It doesn't matter if they cancel that. They can't cancel the love of God. Because God is love. That's who he is. You can't even disqualify who he is because he is love. It's his nature. It's in him. That's who he is. Somebody say God is love. By faith we know God is. What do we know about God? Now all of this we know because the Bible told us so. The Bible told us so. Well many of us know that the Bible is only a couple thousand years old, right? It's not very old. And there is a lot of uh, life that's been lived. Well, what I know about God just by looking at his creation is that God is a God of detail. God is a God of detail. When I think about my uh, anatomy and I think about the plants of the earth and how everything, the solar system and, and how the atmospheres work, God is a God of detail. God is a God of color. If you don't believe me, wait till the sun sets. If the clouds ain't out tonight, just go out there and look. There's different hues of orange. Not just one orange, there's like a lot of them. Because God is a God of color. God is a God of principle. These are things I can just see in nature. Why? Because when I throw this in the air, it comes down. Why? Because there's a law that says what goes up must come down. God is a God of principle. God is a God of seasons. God is a God of seasons. And unless you live in Texas or Oklahoma, you have seasons. You have seasons. You have seasons. I guess we have seasons. We have two seasons. Two seasons and two days in between there somewhere. God is a God of relationship. God is a God of relationship. Why? Because he made us to have communion with him. God is a God of abundance. God is a God of abundance. Why? Because if you go to the sand and the seashore, you can't count it. If you look at the stars in the sky, you can't count them. When you look at everybody, if you look at, at, at all the people in this room, we don't even account for a fraction of the population of the earth, including all those that went before us and all those that are coming after us. God is a God of abundance. God is a God of progress. If he wasn't a God of progress, he wouldn't allow for me to be speaking into a microphone that amplifies through speakers and projects so that you can hear me clearly without me having to raise my voice. Why? Because he's a God of progress. God is a God of produce. God is a God of production. Why? Because everything he creates recreates itself. It produces after its kind. God is a God of diversity. If you don't believe me, look around. He likes black. He likes white. He likes yellow. He likes red. He likes gray. He likes brown. Why? Because he's a God of diversity. I'm just trying to tell you about who God is. Who God is. And in all of this knowing who God is, don't you know we haven't even touched the surface of who he is. God is. So by faith, somebody say by faith. By faith. 
What do we know about God? What we know about God and how we know God is by faith. Is by faith. We can see it, but we have to have faith. Faith is a manifestation. It's not immaterial. It's not a belief system. Faith is something that demands action. It demands something to be manifest. If it wasn't, then we wouldn't know in a few verses before our text that hope is the, uh, faith is the substance. Substance. It, it, it's tangible. It's manifest of things hoped for. It's the evidence. It's the evidence. I can't walk into a courtroom with a make-believe nothing and say, this is why he did it. It ain't going to prove nothing. Why? Because faith is manifested. It's not immaterial. Faith will always materialize. All of Hebrews 11 is a testimony of the manifestation of faith in the lives of men. For by, we know that by faith Abel was called righteous. Why? Because he gave an offering. We know that by faith Enoch pleased God. Why? Because he walked with him. We know by faith Noah and his family were preserved. Why? Because he obeyed God. We know that Abraham by faith obeyed and became the father of our faith. We know that by faith Sarah conceived in her old age. Why? Because she obeyed the word of the Lord. By faith, Moses delivered God's people. Why? Because he followed the instruction of the Lord. By faith, the walls of Jericho came down because they did something crazy and walked around a wall seven times. And the walls came down. They were obedient. By faith, a prostitute named Rahab, the scum of the earth, somehow gets lifted in the hall of faith. Why? Because she obeyed by faith. By faith. Somebody say, by faith. We could all go, we, you know, we can go on and on about all this. You can read Hebrews chapter 11 for yourself because I'm not even halfway through the chapter in telling you about what God, or, or the writer, I believe it's Luke that wrote this book, is writing concerning the people of God. And he's trying to build the people of God's faith that God is good. God is for you. He is not against you. By faith, God, we know, somebody say we know. God is. God is. Now here's the deal. This is where all of that is general. And I'm trying to give you the word of God and some context behind it. So that you don't look at me and say, did you even study to preach? <laughs> because here's the deal. By faith, I know God is a healer. Do you want to know why? Because he's healed my body. I have that experience. By faith, I know he's a provider. Because when I was way down on my luck, and I had no hope in my life for any kind of prosperity, God came through and I can't, I have a testimony that God is a blesser and he is a provider even when it doesn't look like there's anything to be provided. I don't need Abraham's testimony concerning Isaac. I don't need that ram caught in a bush. Why? Because I have that experience for myself. And because I have that experience for myself, I know God is a provider. If I walk through the, 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 the rows and the chairs in this room and I ask you what God has done for you, we'd begin slowly from one side to the other. And by the time we got over here, hearing everybody's testimony of the goodness of God in your life, we'd be in an uproar. Why? Because God is good to us. 
God is. God is. Whatever we need him to be, God is. God is a deliverer. I've seen him deliver people. I've seen people been strung out on drugs, can't get their life right. They, they, had, they were on top of a mountain and because of one little pill, they got stuck out in some gutter somewhere. And now I've seen them also, that same somebody, because of God, sit down with governors and lawmakers. Why? Because God delivered them. And because of that, I know God is a deliverer. My faith is not only built on the word of God that is written, but on the voice of God as he speaks, as he speaks through your life and as he speaks through my life. When I'm walking with God and I walk through whatever I walk through, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I know God is right there with me. Why? Because I've seen it. I've seen it. Does anybody have a testimony? You know what God isn't? God doesn't change. God isn't fickle. He's not like your co-workers. Praising you one minute. Talking to the boss behind your back the next. God isn't fickle. I am the Lord and I change not. God is not fickle. He's not like your friends who talk good to your face and talk bad behind your back. He's not like that person you were in a relationship with and told your deepest, darkest secrets, and the next thing you knew, it was all over Facebook. That's not how God is. God isn't fickle. You know what else God is? God is not a man. He is God. Numbers 23, God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and shall he not do it? Hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? Because when God speaks, things become good. Every time he says a thing, it becomes good. The time for the people of God's faith to rise up in who he is and start walking with the confidence in who he is so that you know that the mess you're going through was sent just in the nick of time to make you into who he needed to make you into. God is not a liar. We can walk in confidence with God in the midst of anything because we know God is. God is. I am that I am. Even when he introduces himself and gives you his name, he says, I am that I am. I am what? I am your healing. I am your provider. I am your strong tower. I am your refuge. I am the lion of the tribe of Judah. I am the rose of Sharon. I am your way out of no way. I am your... I am that I am and the problem I see among the people of God is we're taking his name in vain just a little too much what do you mean Pastor Josh well I hear too many people saying I am sick 
I am poor. I am less than. And we're taking the Lord's name in vain when we really should be saying, I am healed. I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I am above only and not beneath. I am the head and not the tail. I am... I'm just trying to encourage somebody. I'm not going deep and I'm not the greatest preacher in the world. But what I know I'm saying is pretty dang good because I know God said it. God is good. God is whatever you need him to be. If you're in a broken state, he can fix you right up. God is. By faith, I know God is. God is a rewarder of them that diligently, diligently, consistently, constantly, without fail. They may stumble, but they're going to call on God. They may walk on water today and be sinking in the midst of a storm tomorrow, but they know Jesus is right there and all they got to do is call on him and he'll hold out his hand. And he'll pick me up out of a water before I drown because God is. He's right there for me. He is a rewarder of them that diligently, somebody say diligently, showing perseverance at whatever is being undertaken. Because I'm going to persevere like Pastor Rick says. I'm going to see through this severity in my life. And no matter what happens to me, I know God is good. And if it's in my life, God meant it. God meant it. God meant it for my good. So I know that I'm going to diligently seek him in the midst of this. It's characterized by steady, earnest, and energetic effort. I'm not going to lose my seal in the midst of this storm, in the midst of this pain, in the midst of whatever I'm facing. I had an expectation that this thing would be bigger than what it is, and it's smaller than it is. But you know what? I'm going to still diligently seek him because he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It's interesting that the writer here would even make that comment because he already said that... We know God is. And he leaves it open-ended. And so if we know God is, he could be anything. And we already know that. But he wanted to emphasize one thing. He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. He, He knew that you could fill in the blanks all you want, but he wanted to make sure that you left with one answer. You may not get all the answers to the test right, but he wanted to make sure you got this one right. That God is a rewarder. God is a rewarder. God is a rewarder. Well, you don't know what I did last week. It doesn't matter. God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. He didn't say God is a rewarder of them that do right all the time, never mess up, never make a mistake, never go through hell, never go through a storm, never do this, never do that. They, they might get rewarded. No, he said God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So, yes, you could be a mess. You could be going through a storm. You could have hell breaking loose in your life. And if you'll just diligently seek him. He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, seek to investigate or to track or watch this, to walk with, to walk with. He is a rewarder. He pays the wages 
of those that walk with him. He pays off the debts of those that walk with him. He restores the things that have been stolen and lost to those who walk with him. He brings recompense for those that have wronged you and every time the devil trespass on your purpose he brings recompense because he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him he gives back to you those things that you let go of you might have dropped it along the way but he holds it in his hand for just the right time to place it back in your hand because he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him I came to encourage somebody it doesn't matter what you're going through doesn't matter what you've done it doesn't matter what you've continually done I I dare you to just get on your knees and begin to seek him. Start walking with him again. Wake up in the morning and say, God, I'm just glad you woke up with me today. God, I need you today. I might mess up later on today, but I know that you're going to be with me. I just want those steps that you've ordered for me. God, just let me take one more step. I might slip up, but God, please lift me so I can take the next one. I have faith in you. He's waiting to reward you. God is. You know, what, what, what we forget is if God did it before, if God did it before, man, we say that with such confidence, don't we? If God did it before, he'll do it again. Believe it. If he did it for me, you know why I have such confidence in God in my life? And I know that no matter what I walk through, he's right there with me. It's because I've watched some of you. And I know your testimony. And I know what you've walked through and the hell you've had to face. And I've seen you come out with shining colors, with your hands lifted high. Why? Because God was with you. You were walking with him and he was walking with you. So I know he'll walk with me. God is. God is, God is, God is, God is, God is. Oh, I'm thankful that God is today because I needed him. I needed him as a comforter when I was way, way down deep in the gutter. I needed some hands to be wrapped around me and he was right there for me. God is. Someone needs their mountain to be moved. Somebody needs fear to be pushed up out of their life. Somebody needs some clarity in the midst of confusion. Somebody needs healing in the, whatever they're going through. God, somebody needs it. You know what God is? Somebody needs to give him praise because he is. God is, God is, lift your hands, lift your hands, lift your hands, lift your hands. I didn't come in here this morning to try to get you to think in deep tones, in deep ways. I didn't try to show you no mystery or unfold some revelation that we've never seen. I just wanted to bring it back to your remembrance to the front of your mind that God is your healer God is your deliverer God is your provider God 
is your way out of no way. God is the peace in the middle of your storm. God is your vanguard. He goes before you and he's in control. God is your warrior, your strong tower. He looks at the devil on your behalf and rebukes him and pushes him back. God sees you in every moment of your life. And yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is right there with you to comfort you and to keep you and to make sure that you make it through that valley and that you don't stay in that valley. There's going to be a day when you're going to sit at a banquet table in the midst of all your enemies and they're going to have to look at you and all your blessing and favor that God dropped on your life because he is with you. He is walking with you stride for stride just like Enoch and it don't matter what's going on around you it don't matter the circumstances of our society God